chapter 18. I went to a funeral yesterday morning for Frankie Lanfer, and she is Tina McLaren's grandmother. And I never, I don't believe I've ever met the lady. I don't think I ever did. But what a beautiful funeral, and what a beautiful woman. Just being in that service, what an honor it was for all of her grandchildren to honor her at the funeral. They all had, I think all of most of them had something to say. And they have, she had many great-grandchildren. She lived a wonderful Christian life, and her husband, Sam, and they made a difference. But what, what helped me is, here, I don't even know, know the woman. I'm prone to weep, but I wept several times during that uh, service, just the beauty of her testimony. I loved her Lord and her local church. And, you know, you couldn't live a better life, uh, really. What, what an honor to be there. And one thing that struck me is one of the grandsons got up, and he talked about his grandma and how magical she was and made things good. But it was interesting on his part because he wasn't a grandson that lived near grandma. He lived in another state for most of his life. But he said, boy, my grandma would just call and she'd write letters and she'd, when, they, when she was there, she was present with them, she was there. That was kind of the theme. It helped me because Pam and I can't be there with our grandkids. And that's kind of a lament of ours. We're not lamenting that we're in the Lord's work, but that we, never, we don't see our grandchildren very often, and it, it, it bothers us, and we wish we could be better grandparents and more aware and more there. Uh, but I heard a lady that was there, even though she wasn't there in Florida or Carolina, and it really inspired us to do even more, but also to take more time to be with our family when we can, family vacations, get-togethers. We have a granddaughter who's graduating, first one to graduate in May, and we're going to New Mexico for that. And It's just part of family, amen? But what a testimony she was. It really helped me. It really helped me. So... Um, Praise the Lord. Think about your life. Think about those you influence. And if you have opportunity, we all can be there, right? And uh, what, what really moved me. So anyway, Psalm chapter 18 to, today. And uh, of course, this is February. It's love month. And that's okay. I'm not against it. I'm for it. Um, uh, I'll be doing on Sunday nights, like I have mentioned, a series of messages the Lord has put on my heart. I got, just got done with the first one. I don't know what the next ones are going to be, but I know that God will help me. But my thought is a love that lasts a, a life and eternity. We're going to focus on that. God's love for us, our love for our mates, our love for our children and family and so forth. And uh, tonight I'll be preaching a message. Don't miss it. I won't, I'll try not to be long. I mean it. And just push the button and get, you know, get to your, your, your commercials and your, your family get together and whatever. But uh, I think what will uh, be said tonight will help us all. Okay? So... I want to deal with Psalm 18, just the first three verses this morning. I'll turn my microphone on. That'll always help for recording purposes. Let's do this. All right, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, um, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Notice that mark. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We'll come back to it. But here's the first words. I will love thee, O Lord. My message this morning is I will love thee. 
It's a declaration. I will love thee. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we get into thy word this morning. And help us to look to you, our lovely Lord, who first loved us. And I pray, God, that we would return our love to you. Not just in words, but Lord, in deeds and devotion, faithfulness. You've certainly been all those to us. Bless those that could not be here today, Lord, because of illness or recovery. Or maybe they're away on uh, business or even vacation. I pray you bless them, encourage them where they might be today around your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I will love thee. God truly has loved us as Christians. He's shown that over and over again. I just some things to start with to get our mind on this. I, I put down here, God loves us intentionally. I'm glad for that. God loves us unconditionally. God loves us extravagantly. You know, here, gentlemen, just, just a word. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up. You might want to just get a little up the bar a little bit. Maybe, maybe not that, just a little box of little hearts that are not very good. Maybe you want to up the game, get a really big heart with good chocolates or something. But anyway, extravagantly. God loves us, I like this, completely. Our God loves us. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Don't forget that. God's word is very emphatic. God loves us. He absolutely loves us. And he loves us for many reasons. And I want to talk about that in the message today. God loves us because of some things. Turn to Psalm 116. That'll be very familiar to you, I'm sure, if you've been saved any length of time. It is a psalm about a declaration of love for God again. And in Psalm 116, uh, we'll take a look at the first few verses here, verses 1 through 5. The psalmist writes, I give, oh, that's chapter 18, 16, he says, uh, I love the Lord, and notice the word because. I've preached on this before, you've seen it before. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the past uh, of hell begat hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow, then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord. And righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Amen. And you read the rest of that chapter, that, that, that psalm, but he starts out with, I love the Lord, and he uses the word because. We love God because. In 1 John chapter 4, this same theme is picked up by John the Beloved, by the way. And John the Beloved says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth God, not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then he says in verse 16 in this same uh, chapter, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God is in him. In other words, God is love. God is the, is, it, his very nature is love. His very essence is love. God loves us. Amen. Well, the Bible tells us so. God loves all mankind, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's love is great. First John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of the love the Father hath bestowed upon us, 
that we should be called the sons of God. And then God's love is first. In 1 John 4, we read in verse 8, but he says, God is love in this is manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God first loved us. We love God because, because of all the things that are of God, his essence, his being, all the things that he's done, all the things that he's said, all the things that he, he has uh, benefited our life with and blessed our life with. You, you can't not say God doesn't love you. God loves you. He's told you and I that he loves us. He has shown us that he loves us. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus went all the way, folks. He went to the cross to show us he loved us. And he loves all mankind. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. What a God. What a God. And God's always been loved. He's always loved his people. In Jeremiah 31.3, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Speaking to Israel. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the saints. How do we know this? For the Bible tells me so. God is abounding in his love. The psalmist writes in Psalm 136, verse 26, Oh, thanks be unto God of heaven, for his mercy endureth her. My God has been so loving, he's given me his mercy and his grace and his long-suffering. All these wonderful attributes of a God whose essence is love. Without Without a doubt, our God loves us. This Sunday, first Sunday of February, our minds usually in February go to this you know, love stuff. Pastor Williams talked about the Song of Solomon in Sunday school. We didn't script that. I didn't know he was going there. And he talked about being nervous when certain preachers get up to use that. I get it. I understand. I'll behave. <laughs> Psalm 18, verse 1, he said this declaration. I will love thee. In that little bitty statement, I want us just to, to listen to this. I will love thee. It's an emphatic statement of love, a declaration of clear intent. He's saying to the Lord, Lord, I will love thee. It's also an intentional statement of love. I am going to love you. This is my intent. This is my plan. It's also an ongoing statement of love. I will be loving you from here on. Amen. It's also a personal statement. As for me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you. Now, God says that to us. He spread his arms at Calvary. He said, I love you. He was buried and rose again from the grave. And when he greeted with them, he said, I love you. When he went up to heaven in a cloud of glory, he said to them, I love you. And he said, I'm coming back to get you. Amen. Everything the Lord has done, even the Lord Christ here on earth was showing the love he had for the world, for, for his disciples, for lost mankind. God loves the world. The psalmist declares, therefore, after knowing all this and reading all this and taking this all in, he said, I will love you, Lord. And, he, and the psalmist also writes in Psalm 116, that we were, I will love you because you heard my voice. This is an interesting phrase. The word voice represents the voice, you've heard my voice. 
I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, but you heard my voice. I like what Pastor Williams was teaching uh, Sunday school this morning about how, uh, how God just took that beam of his love and, and boiled it all down to one little, and, and, and came into our heart. God loves the world, but he made it personal. He boiled it all down to our heart and our life. What a God, what a love, infinite love. The word voice represents faith of salvation. I believe God because I called upon him and he saved me, the psalmist said. The word voice also denotes a response. God called after salvation in areas of service for him. Now, people get the call of God for salvation, but you know, after salvation, God calls some to do this and some to do that. God determines that. We don't stand up and say, I want this and I want that. You read 1 Corinthians about the gifts and how they were all upset about they didn't have this gift. They all wanted the gift of this and the gift of that. But the Bible says the gifts of God are given severally as he wills. God doles out the gifts for his purposes and for the blessing of the body of Christ. But, you know, God calls those he calls in love. None of us deserve salvation, and really, nobody deserves the call of God upon their life. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you have a, a good voice, if you have a way with music, if you have a way with talking to people, if you know how to help people and you know how to fix things, anything that God has given you with, that's a gift from God. It's a gift of love, and he wants you to love others with it. Isaiah heard the call of God. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. I have heard thy voice. And it says, uh, whom shall uh, go for, for us? And here's the response. Then said, I hear him, I send me. Isaiah heard a call. Jeremiah heard the call. Jeremiah 1.5 and said, um, he was ordained to be a prophet. God chose him. Matthew heard the call. In Matthew 9, 9, he's sitting at the seat of receipt or seat of customs. He's collecting taxes. And the Lord said, follow me. And the Bible says that Matthew got up and followed him. Peter and John heard the call. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 7. They're fixing their nets. And he called them. And the Bible says, and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Barnabas and Saul heard the call. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. The, Holy, uh, the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have called them to. Paul heard the call in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel. Hey, we're called into salvation. We're also called into service. One day I heard the call of the Lord in service. 1979, I began to ask the Lord, Okay, Lord, you call me. What field? And as a young man, I remember I'd hear preachers come through, missionaries, and over 40 years ago now that I heard these, this voice of the Lord, and a uh, missionary would come. I heard different missionaries. And one particular time, Pam and I, we had, uh, we had German, and, and I had Spanish and German. I can't speak any of it. But I had it in high school, and a missionary came through, and never forget, he was a missionary to Holland, and I looked at Pam after church, and I said, you know, we both had German. Maybe we can learn German. Maybe the Lord will have us go to Holland. And I prayed about it. I prayed about it. Netherlands, Holland. The Lord said, no. I prayed about Canada. I had somebody come through. I prayed about Canada. The Lord said, no. And then somebody came through and had a, a, a prison ministry. And I said, Lord, is that what you want me to do? You want me to go to prisons and declare your word? 
I prayed about representing the Lord through Bible ministry, through gospel tracts. You know, different missionaries come, and you're a young preacher, and you're trying to find out God's will, and I prayed. But then the Lord started speaking to me about the pastorate. I'll never forget. And in time, the Lord confirmed that. He called me to be a pastor. In the summer of 1979, God called me to be a pastor. I didn't know where or when, or how that would all fall out. I was ordained in 1981, September, in the gospel ministry. And the verse God spoke to me about over all that time, 1 Timothy 3, 1, is a true saying, if any man desire also a bishop, he desireth a good thing. And I desired it. I heard the Lord's voice of salvation. He saved my soul. But I heard the Lord's voice speaking to me about his service to him. I'm so glad I heard these voices and I responded to these voices. Then there's a voice also to rededication, I believe, to Christians. You get saved, you serve the Lord. And sometimes for one reason or another, people fall away from what God has called them to do. Maybe they're not as doing it with gusto, like I said this morning, as much as they ought to. But we hear the Lord's voice speaking to us to come home, come back, come do what I called you to do. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. We mess it up. And some of the most miserable Christians I've ever met through my life are those been called and gifted, and they forfeited that call and that gift. And then they sit, and they're not doing what God had called them to do. How miserable a life. When God calls, he calls with intent. Thank God for the call of salvation. Thank God for the call of service. Thank God for the call of rededication that we can mess up. In, the, in many ways, we can come back and get back at serving the Lord. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for the gifts and callings of God are without. God don't, we change our mind. He never changes his mind once it's established. How sad and miserable are those that should be doing what they should be doing. I don't know if there's somebody here. You say you love God, but what are you doing? It's not just words, Lord, I love you, but what, how are you showing that love? I don't know. Maybe some of you guys get away with it on Valentine's Day, and you come home with absolutely nothing. It ain't happening in my house. It ain't happening. I've set a bar, and uh, she expects it. And although she didn't say, what are you going to bring me? I mean, it, I, it's a delight. I like trying to surprise her. I like doing extra things for her. Amen. It's because I love her. Oh, it's a Hallmark holiday. You are not a smart man. <laughs> take advantage. Show her how much you love her. It doesn't take much. A lot of times women just, just, the fact that you picked up something that is little means you were thinking about her. Guys, though, if you think little, she thinks he's thinking a little about me. Big. He thinks a lot about me. Amen? All right. Thank God. God always thinks about me. He always thinks about you. He was thinking about you before the world began. And he made a plan of your salvation. And then when he got saved, he had something for you to do for him. What a delight. What a privilege. You say, but preacher, I've fallen away. We can. We often do. But we can come back. Certain things... God says, no, you, you have, pastors, if they mess up, I believe they mess up, they've messed up. And they can be forgiven and God can give them something else to do. But you know, in certain offices, office of a pastor, office of a deacon, there are certain things or qualifications. And when you break those qualifications, then you're done. But God is gracious and give us other things to do for him. Amen. So why is he, be careful with the call. Be careful with your life, your testimony. Be careful. 
Hey, be careful with your marriages. Be careful with those precious babies God has given you. You only have one life to... That, that grandma, Frankie's testimony, so blessed my heart. She took advantage of her life to make an impact. And here are her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, praising her. What a, what a life. And so often we frivolously push it aside, the opportunity and the blessing. Oh, Paul's greatest fear was to be benched or shelved in ministry. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep my body, keep my, I keep under my body and bring in this subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway means somebody rejected. They were chosen, but now they're not going to be used. To set aside, not approved. It means unfit or unproved or spurious or reprobate. God says, I have something for you, but you on your own choices and your own decisions have disqualified you yourself from what I had for you. Oh, how horrible. You know what Paul wanted to do, saints? You know what I want to do? I know you want to do it too. I have a desire. Paul had a desire. His intent was to finish the race. To finish and not just finish. I just fall over the... You see these guys and they fall over. I want to, I want to finish well. Amen. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Let's all have the similar goal. Let's finish well. God has loved us. Let's love God all the way. When things get tough, we're just say, well, God don't love me anymore, so I don't love him. And so we complain and tell people, well, I don't know why I'm going through this and why God has done this. Don't do that to him. He loves you. He's been loving you. Don't give up your love on him because you're going through a hard stretch. Love him more. That means more. God knows in heaven what you're going through. And when you say and you glorify God and you praise him in spite of what you're going through, oh boy, that really shines in God's heart and eyes. I know it's hard. I know some people are going through some ter terrible things. I may have to go that road myself and I pray, Lord, don't let me ever Disperge your name. Don't let me ever be a bad testimony. Don't let me ever complain to others about what you don't do for me or haven't done for me. He's been too good a God. Let's go all the way. Listen, the psalmist said, God has heard my voice. And then he says, God has inclined his ear unto me. Psalm 116. That word ear is interesting. It means to cup the hand. He's heard my voice. When you pray, God, not that God has bad hearing. Don't get that. Don't, and don't correct me. I, I'm just giving an illustration. It says, he heard my voice, meaning I hear you. I know what you're going through. And even means he comes. God in heaven hears my voice. Your voice. And I want us to understand what is happening here. Psalm 116, verse 3, listen to what it says. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the paths of, uh, of hell got hold of me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. 
he says, I love the Lord because, and then he reminds us the time in which he was calling upon God. The time in which he was being heard of God. And it was during a terrible time in his life. It was the time when Saul was after his life. Saul was jealous of David. Saul had slain his thousands. David is tens of thousands. The people rejoiced. They loved David, and Saul got jealous. And Saul, from that day forward, wanted to take his life. And so this psalm is written, they believe, when, Saul, when David was running and hiding in caves and dens and forests. Saul wanted his life. David was running, listen, from place to place, trying to stay away from God's anointed. Remember, he cut a little bit of his clothing off, and then he felt bad later, so I, I cannot touch God's anointed. It was wrong. Saul sought to slay his life, but David felt rebuke for what he had done because he was God's anointed. And David said these words, 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes, talking to Jonathan. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved, and truly as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. David said these words, I love the Lord because he's heard, he saved my soul, he's heard my cry. And then he tells us the time in which all this love was being shown and expressed. He was running for his life, knowing that it was but a step between death for him. Folks, the truth is, all, one, all of us are a step between death and life. David is making this declaration of his love for God. He's professing that God has loved me, and now I will love him. He says in, in, in our psalm, I will love thee, I will love thee, as God has loved him. And here David in Psalm 116, he's hounded, he's chased, he's, he's running. He, listen, folks, he's getting tired of running. Think of all the times that you read your Bible that David was running and running and running. He grew weary and he grew tired to the core. You ever get in your life? I, I think the Shays would understand this. I think the Yergers right now. I think the Copies right now. I, I think of others that have been sick, the Callahans, the they have been through something for quite a long time, and you get weary, you get tired to the core. David is discouraged, and he's getting overwhelmed with the scope of the dilemma in his life. He had done nothing wrong, but yet he's hated. But although he was hated by the king, he was loved by the Lord. And that love overwhelmed him. This, the life overwhelmed him, but when he started thinking about all God, he was overwhelmed with the love of God toward him. Boy, if we could just get to the place when we're overwhelmed with everything else, that we get overwhelmed with the truth of God's love for us. This is a term of a, affection and endearment that David's returning back to God. He says, because he hath heard my voice in supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, he says, I will love you. You know, we hope, I guess all young people, as they come to a marriage altar, and she's found Prince Charming, and he has found Gwendolyn, the good witch of Oz. I don't know. 
Don't get them mixed up. And they say these words. They mean them at the time. But, you know, those words are beautiful. They're wonderful. That's new love. As Pastor Williams talking about, Solomon wrote about new love. Then later he's reflecting upon things. That new love, that first love is awesome. But it's all in theory. It's in theory. I'm going to love you. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to quote a poem. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it's all in theory. Because when you get married, that's when reality comes in. Amen. I got a picture a couple of weeks ago from Steve and Barb, maybe a week ago. They were on a little trip together, and they saw this older couple ahead of them as they were driving. And the older couple, she, the, the elderly woman, she had a walker. And the older gentleman had a cane, and he's walking by her. And they're going down the road, and Barbara sent us this beautiful thing. So I hope that's Steve and I when we're older. We love each other like they do. And, and Barbara said, you know, and I, maybe I should tell this, I, I didn't say Barb. My daughter-in-law, there's two of them, so anyway, she said, I hope we're like that when we're older. And I, I thought to myself the other day, I said, that's beautiful, that's a great picture. Who doesn't want that? 60 years of marital bliss, 70, I mean, good night. But the truth of the matter is, when you see a picture like that, you don't know. You don't stop. You think, I'm going to ask him, what is the secret of your blissful marriage of all your years? Probably married 67 years. But you, what you don't really know is that maybe they weren't even married. Maybe they're just walking down the road together at the same time. <laughs> maybe they're walking down the road, but they didn't look like they were real close. Or with their walker, him with his cane, maybe they just had an argument. And they're not speaking to one another. I mean, there's, there's, there's the thought of it, and then there's the reality of it. Again, they might not even know one another. They just happen to be going down the same path at the same slow speed. <laughs> if you would have interviewed him, they would have said, I don't know her, she, I don't know him. Maybe you could have talked to him, and one would have said, oh, yes. I was married to a wonderful man for, for 50 years, and he, he left me, and I've been by myself, and I met George over here in the nursing home, and and you just assume God gave him that wonderful love, but he might have had four or five marriages end in divorce, crash and burn. See, a picture doesn't necessarily mean the reality. And we have this idea, young people and sometimes adults that have been there a while, we have this idea of the reality of life, but it's not so real. When you put that ring on the finger at a wedding, girls, I'm not trying to ruin your show, okay? I know you got plans, and, you know, I, I, do me a favor, but have some decent bridesmaid dresses when you do get married, okay? Those ugly, gaudy, you know, the ones they don't even want to wear. Think of them. Think of those girls. And don't put your husband-to-be and the guys in those super silly outfits, you know, with the frills and the... You know, get them a manly, something manly, okay? That's just giving you some help here, okay? When you make those promises, that's the start, it's not the finish line. And what will make that marriage a marriage of worth will be the reality of the coming years in sickness and health. Till death do us part. Talk a little about that tonight. Here our Lord has been so wonderful to David, unworthy. And he's in trouble, and he's hounded, and he's just got a moment to take his breath. And then he thinks about how God has loved him. 
And he says, Lord, I, I love you. God has told all of us, I love you with an everlasting love. In 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. But you say, Pastor Brown, I, I feel like right now in my life, God's not cupping his hand. He's not hearing my voice. Oh, yes, he is. He is. It may not seem like it. It may not feel like it. But preacher, heaven's brass to me right now. It doesn't feel like God's hearing my prayer. <coughs> he is. And let me tell you something else about answers. God answers prayer. But sometimes it's not the one, the answer we want to hear. It's not the time in which we want to hear it. And something about our prayers and God's answers are this. It's done in his time, in his plan. Because he's got, he's got the better plan. He knows what he's doing. So since God has demonstrated his love first and reached out to us first, and God made the first step in this spiritual love relationship, we ought to be able to say, I will love him. I will love him no matter what. You know, when I said to my wife, I'll love you, and she said to me she loved me, I meant it. But oh, as life has gone by, I mean it more. I do. Sometimes I'll say to my wife, this is kind of personal, but I, I'll say, I love you, but then I'll say to her, I'm in love with you. Big difference. After marriage years go by, it's not just I love them. We love each other. We're in the same house together. We raise the same kids. You know, I love. I care about them. But look, it's the difference when you're in love with somebody and you're in love with somebody as the years pass. God has always been in love with you. He's never changed his mind. God saved your soul. He gave you his love. And he's not reneging on those promises or on the love that he has for you. It's an everlasting love. And so we ought to be like the psalmist saying back to God, God, I will love you like you have loved me. I think of the because, I think of several things that God has proved his love. Turn to Psalm 139 with me. Psalm 139, here's another psalm written about the love of God. Psalm 139, the psalmist writes these verses, these Verses of the psalm, look at verse 14. He says, I will praise thee, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knows right well. We have a tendency to take a verse like that, and we want to prove something about, uh, you know, abortion being sin, and it is. Life being precious, and it is. And we take that out. There's more to that verse than just that, that statement or that feeling. It's good, but look at the context here. He says from verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance. Yet being unperfect, and in my... In thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. Notice that, were fashioned. When yet there was none of them, how precious. Also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. And 
That's so rich. We don't have time. That's so rich. But I'll tell you what. What it's talking about here is God gives physical life. Everybody here today, God gave you the most wonderful gift, life. And if you're a Christian, God has given you life, but he's given you abundant life in Jesus Christ. I've given to you life, and I give it to you more abundantly, John 10.10. God intends for you and I to have an abundant life. God intends for you and I, since you know the Lord, to have an abundant marriage, an abundant family, a uh, uh, to enjoy the life that God has given you. What a gift from God, life. He knew us in our substance. He was putting us together for his purposes. What a precious gift is life. John 7, verse, uh, John, or Genesis 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed thee and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, some may not agree with me today, but I want to tell you something. It's an emphatic statement. Life is precious. Life is wonderful. Life is a gift from God. I love life. But, Pastor, life has become hard and difficult. Yeah, but, friend, it is a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. And we tend to forget that when we get older and sorer and more depressed. And, and God knows that. Thank God for life. Thank God for the blessings and benefits of life. We could go on and on tonight, this morning, and talk about God's benefits, his love, the gift of life, salvation. We could go on and on and on and on and talk about this great salvation. His word, his spirit, the church, the call of God, the gifts that he's given us, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, his provisions, his protection, his advancements, his substance, his opportunities, his relationship, family, my wife, my children, my, my grandkids, even my in-laws. It's made to be a joke, but it didn't go over. <laughs> Folks, we are rich and abounding in great blessing. Amen. Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with blessings, even the God of salvation. Now listen, Selah. Think on that a while. Sometimes we feel that God doesn't really understand. He doesn't know. He's not presence, present, but that's all wrong. We take for granted too much. We take for granted too much far too often of his blessings and his bounty. You know, even as American citizens, we sit here today and we... we we truly are not cognizant as much, aware as much of how blessed we are to be Americans, to be citizens of the United States of America, to have the freedom that we have, access, the, the blessing of this life. You may think, well, I don't have that great life. Listen, you have a life that there are people in third world countries would swap you in a minute, in a second. Amen. There are people that daily living is nothing but a plight and a drudgery. The rights and privileges we have as a free people. But more than that, I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we'll see it afar. That's truth. I have a ticket stamped. 
And one day I'll go to heaven when this life is over. We've all had the missionaries come through. Been here long enough to see the missionaries come through with um, slides. How many remember just slide? They had to slide and they'd get stuck. And da, 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 da. the older ones just had them this way, but then they went to this. That, ooh, that was modern. Then we went to DVD presentations. Now we're in PowerPoint. I don't know what the next one will be. It might float in midair right in front of your face. You'll see there. And they'll always have a sunrise. They'll always have, you know, people, people, people who knew. No, that's the wrong song. Anyway, and we watch these missionary slides through the years. And you know what should surely happen to us every time? I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. And they show you pictures of people in another country that would love to have what you have. Be where you're at. Have the freedoms and the privileges that you and I have. It's also true about our heavenly city. Right now, the world, if they're lost, they don't even care about such things. I mean, in their mind, everybody goes to heaven. But there'll be a day when people go on to eternity without Christ. Well, they will just, everything will be a reality. But there are people that are saved that are not cognizant of what we really have in Christ. It's like our nation. Our nation today, younger generation, the progressive movement, they don't realize what they're bringing upon themselves. Socialism will destroy. So it's up for us as fellow countrymen, we need to be aware of what's going on. We need to pray. We need to vote. We need to support. We need to stay with conservative values. Amen. And be truly thankful for what we have. But we, listen, above that, as Christians going to a heavenly city, we need to be better representatives of what we have in Christ. And tell people how blessed we are and what we're, what's ahead of us. So our God has given us in love a substance. Our God has given us his son, Jesus Christ. Our God has given us his, his sovereign choice for us in the matter of serving him. And he's given us this story of love. John 1, 12, but as many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even unto them that believe on his name. I don't know if there might be somebody here. You have not yet believed on his name. There's power in that name. There's salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about going to church. It's about Christ. I don't know. I don't know all you young people intimately inside your heart. I don't know the adults. I don't know some of the visitors. I don't know where you're at with Christ. But listen, I'll tell you this. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you uniquely, individually. He's got a plan for your life. Our God has provided a plan. He's provided the sacrifice. He's provided his own son. God has made, it, uh, made everything come to fruition that is necessary to come and get in line for our salvation. The atonement, uh, the atonement of our individual sins. He's planned the cross. He planned Calvary. He planned the way uh, of forgiveness, how to be born again. God planned it all because why? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. God planned it out of love. Love. Um, some people today, they don't want anything to do with the church, and I really don't get that. I'll just throw those notes aside. I don't understand why people would not have anything to do with the church that God loved and loves, gave himself for. But I'll tell you what, I love the church. I love the church because my beloved loves the church. Amen? 
After a while, when you first get married as a young couple, some of you that have been there, you'll know this, you enter into marriage not knowing the other side of family matters, how people were raised. I mean, really, you think you know, but you don't, you don't know. And you get in there, and you know what? There might be some things that you don't really like, but after a long relationship, you begin to like what she likes or he likes, and you begin to even love what she loves or he loves. You begin to even like and maybe even love the people that she loves and likes. It has all to do with the relationship, building and growing. You know, when I first got saved, I had no idea of the love of God. Now that I've been saved now all these years, I love what he loves. Amen. Because I've gotten to know him intimately, and he has shown me his love. He's, he's, he's put his love upon me. And now I love what he loves and what he loves, and we have a love relationship. I'm drawing to a close now. David says, I love the Lord because he has given, and he mentions all these things, substance, son of God, spirit, gifts, scripture, the church, the saints of God. But then in this psalm, I will love the Lord, O Lord, my strength. I will choose, I will determine to love God. And the psalmist declares this in many of the psalms. Listen, and I'll be done. The psalmist declares, he announces, he determines, he sets himself to affection. Psalm 118, we dealt with it. I will love thee. But think of it with enthusiasm and excitement. Not, I will love thee. But, I will love thee. I will love thee. Adoration, Psalm 30, verse 1. I will extol thee. E-X-T-O-L. I will extol thee. I'll lift you up. Allegiance in Psalm 89, 1. I will sing of thy mercies. Now sing them out. Attention, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Lord, I'll give you my attention. Accolade, Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my what? Half heart. I will praise thee with my whole heart. God wants us to love him. And this morning when you go out to the store, know this. God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting love. God loves you intentionally. God loves you intimately. God loves you with a divine passion. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. And God loves this world that doesn't love him. Let's love him. Let's praise him. Let's serve him. Let's love him by loving others. How shall men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one toward another? If we can't love each other in this church, we're going to love people out of this church. Let's bow our heads if we would this morning. This morning, as the psalmist said, he expressed, I will love thee. Maybe you say to God, Lord, I'm going to love you like I love you. God says to the unsaved today, hey, come and believe on my dear son that I gave to you in love. I don't know. If you're here and you're not saved, quit playing with your soul. Please come. God loves you and he wants to save you. He wants to give you life and life more abundantly. He says to the saints, I love you. Now come back to me. Dedicate yourself. Rededicate yourself. 
He even says to somebody maybe visiting today, you're not really in a church, you're kind of you're kind of out of church. God wants you to come in the body of Christ who he loves. David showed his love. Father, bless us. Help us to all say in our heart deeply that we love you. And we'll love you with all our strength, our soul, our being. For Lord, you have done that over and over and over again, not since I was born, but before I was born. Bless now the saints and help us to understand what real love is about. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's